9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Go Plug Yourself. This week, we play host to the one and only Matt Goldberg. It is crazy to me that we have never had Matt on the show as a guest before. I actually have to check the archives out to find out if we had Adam on as a guest in the past, and we haven't, which is insane because I've known Matt uh, due to improv since longer than we've had this show. Uh, Matt's coming on the show to talk about Confabulation, which is returning this Friday, March 4th, to the Centaur Theater. Uh, It's going to actually have a... It's going to be running. It's back. The theater's back check it out everything is coming back uh go to confabulation.ca uh to check out all of their upcoming shows if you're not able to make it to this friday's show that is tomorrow uh but they're going to be running shows on a regular basis so stay up to date there you can follow them on social you can check all of that stuff out it's a great storytelling event that uh matt's been putting together with a bunch of other great people for a really long time um so you should go check out confabulation and now sit back relax and enjoy the show uh lawrence corber sits in on this one with me as we uh, get to know a little bit more about Matt Goldberg and improv and storytelling and all the fun stuff that goes along with it. Enjoy the show. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. So I was thinking about this when I uh, set this up, Matt. I, I, you and I have known each other for 20 years. That's that's a lot of years. It's, wow. It's a very long time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm like, I turned 39 in May and there's no way I was like much younger or older than 18, 19 when we met. I was in Dawson. Mm. So I was like, so for 20 years, I've known Matt Goldberg. And for 10 years, I've had this podcast. And just now, on episode 250, I was like, you should be on. (laughs) You got me in under the wire. 250. (laughs) Get you in at 250 episodes. You guys are real close then, right? This is (laughs) Becca's Thieves, you two. (laughs) I feel I've tried a number of times, like through various, like, confabulation and uncalled for and whatever else. Oh, yeah. I think I think the best way to start a podcast is to blame the guest. Yeah. I think we open up, we mention, no. we mention, we start off, talk about how close you are, why he hasn't been on the show in 249 episodes, and then uh, blame him essentially. Be like, you know what? You could have been here whenever you wanted. It was yeah. an open yeah. door. It was, op- it was an open Wait, door. Wait, is it actually two? Is, it, is this actually yeah. 250? I feel like we this should is, celebrate this is 250. <laughs> Um, this is amazing. Are postponed. I am honored oh to be on the God. 250th episode. <laughs> Forget oh the guilt God. trip. This is this is a celebration. Exactly. That's oh, it. Wow. We're celebrating 250 episodes with Matt Goldberg. We're not going to talk about confabulation. We're going to do a retrospective on all 250 <laughs> episodes. Yes. I've always wanted to be on a clip exactly. show. It's the best. <laughs> just, just in and out. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You, you know what? There's a there's a there's a period of the year like between like christmas and new year's which is just a waste of a week where nothing happens but the saving grace are all the different clip shows best movie of the year best sports highlight all those kind of clip things i know what you're talking about matt those are a lifesaver speak to me 
I want to remember all the things that were good, especially the last couple of years. I just, just share the good stuff. Can I just have you know? some of the good stuff? When I was in high school, I was really into like music video, like end of year countdowns. Like they're like, we're counting down the top 100, like rock, whatever of the year. I'm like, yeah, show me these, not on the radio. I mean, like, I guess I would care on the radio, but when they, when like much music or whatever did it, I was like, I am watching this video countdown. I want to see the best music videos yeah. of the year, please. I, ho- I hope Soul Decision did well. <laughs> well, really whatever, I don't know. Avril Lavigne, I guess, was probably around. That was early 2000s. Third Eye like, Blind. Third oh, Eye Blind. yeah. Yeah, let's get some of that Third Eye Blind. <laughs> <laughs> music videos were just like music video channels were such a like. A, a weird thing to explain now that there's YouTube to be like, so if you, if you, there was a really cool music video, you would watch this channel all day, hoping they showed it so that you you're going to see a lot of crap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Gondry, that beautiful three minute thing he made. Exactly. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. That's it. There's a couple, a couple of videos are circulating. Like Gondry has, uh, has one, like there's a, uh, there's a couple Spike Jones videos that are really yeah. worth it, but like 100%. mostly it's just teen, teen pop music that's mostly you're gonna have to watch you were just reminding me were you the kind of people that owned those dvd collections of the music videos and commercials of spike jones because that was pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) my roommate would you like to hear something fucking insane yes please yes please (laughs) do we do it (laughs) go for it go for it tell us lawrence he he released them Oh no, it's happening again. Lawrence is somehow experiencing time lag. Hang on. Time travel. Oh, I'm way delayed. Okay, great. So this Canadian TV show countdown. Yeah, I'm super laggy. I'm so sorry, boys. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, okay, We're okay, just okay. doing it. We're gonna keep it going. Okay. Two people. Wait. We're gonna see that. No. How is this possible? Oh my god! Oh, I'm. I, he, he's not really there. <laughs> it's weird that his phone's not working either, though. Yeah, I don't. Know. Is he? Is it? Maybe is it his his Wi-Fi? Maybe I was at his house. This is solid podcasting. I was at his house like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of problems with his just his general internet situation. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe there's something up with the router or or what have you. I don't know. So Matt Goldberg, everybody, uh, that was Lawrence. He was there for like half a second, speaking out of time. We'll use that audio. It's fine. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> it's podcasting. It's not that serious. Uh, but yeah, no. So to episode 250, it's a, it's a celebration. And we've invited Matt Goldberg on to celebrate with us. Thrilled to be here. Um, and I mean, it, this is so not, not sad. I mean, mm-hmm. I knock on wood, this is real. Because, uh, like, we had uh, Amy Blackmore on around this time last year, like, touting the return of live theater. Oh my God. <laughs> Amy, what did you do? Well, no, because they did, they did, a, <laughs> no, they they did a limited yeah. seating uh, fringe. Uh, no, like, absolutely. Yeah, like, it was, it was a, great. <laughs> yeah. So it, it worked out. Like, it, it, was, it was real. But then, you know... Uh, third wave more shutdowns more everything so now this is the return return mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the... we we missed that window for confabulation oh yeah one of the reasons that we're coming out hard post <laughs> hopefully i'm knocking on wood post this wave is because 
we kept doing the online shows a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I have some real remorse about that. <laughs> we had a couple of shows that got canceled by our venue and then just things fell apart. And then, uh, yeah, we all blew it on the public health front. So here we are this time for real. <laughs> this time it's, it's uh, this time it's real. I think I saw uh, someone, someone tweeted about it. They were like the 95 year old queen got it and is okay. I think, you know, we'll she got okay this time. <laughs> She I got think. the good vaccine. <laughs> She's set. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is I, I and I think that's that's where I'm at at this point. Is I was like double vaxxed, boosted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not necessarily looking to catch COVID, but <laughs> I was like, I I don't have that like deep seated fear anymore mm-hmm. of like, oh no, if I get it, I'll get so sick or I have to worry uh, like my wife has asthma and like, like all the, like all the fear level is like diminished. I'm still um, like, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that they're getting rid of vaccine passports so early. I was like, how about we open everything up and then we do just another month or two of passports just for safekeeping, you know, like I'm so with you. I wanted, I wanted to go see a movie for the first time last night and I totally, I checked the little the little map on my phone to see how many tickets were sold. I was like, oh no, I don't know if they're checking passports. I don't know if they're doing anything. And there's too many people here. I'm not going <laughs> to the movies. So this is a guy who's about to host a show live, which is weird now that I've said this out loud. But we're well, checking passports. We're doing it. They are checking, they're definitely checking passports at the movies. I was I went to the, the movie theater this week. Although I so yeah, so I don't know if you've been to any of those VIP Cineplex experiences or whatever the heck they are. So I'm high risk. I've been living in a cave under, <laughs> underneath my house. I've been hiding from the world. Fair. Uh, <laughs> so they renovated the basement of the of the forum. Uh, so it's now like two or three what they call like VIP theaters where the seats are these huge, giant, like wide leather reclining situations. And they space out the seats between like groups. So like okay. you're you're like ten feet away from the person to your right because the seats are so big and there's two <laughs> seats in between each person, uh, and so yeah so like we we've gone to see movies twice now at various stages of reopening like just we went to go see it. Fast and the Furious just yes. <laughs> because we were like this movie demands to be seen on a big screen and this is the the great return of action cinema so we went to go see Fast and the Furious at a VIP experience and then we went to go see Spider Man last week. So that's that's what I need. I need my Spider-Man hit. I need it. Yeah, I was okay. uh, that that was we had tickets to go see Spider-Man at like 5:15 the day <laughs> they shut the theaters down. Like so they were like all oh, theaters no. close as of today at 5. And we were like no. Then we were like we're never going to see Spider-Man. The whole world gets to see the new spider It's real good by the way. I've heard, right? And everything is thoroughly spoiled for me. So Yeah. That welcome that's, to this. <laughs> on, that was sorry. the bummer that I watched. I was like, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. But I'm like, I'm so sad that it was like A, there was no way to avoid all the spoilers for that long. Yeah. And, and B, like like the the hype of it has passed. You know, you're like, oh cool, there's Daredevil. Like, yeah, that would have been super fun. <laughs> I've been pretending that's not real. <laughs> I'm pretending that was a lie that someone told me. Yeah, exactly. I that's it. I was like, oh, I'm it. shocked that, that that happened. Like, like my buddy, one of my friends saw it like like premiere and he was like, 
dude, he's like when Matt Murdock shows up, everybody's <laughs> cheering. Like he's like the second Andrew Garfield comes in, like huge pop, like like standing ovation when all three like Spider Man are on the scene at the same time. I was like, what an experience. I yeah. Oh man, I miss it. We're here to celebrate, or I'm here to talk about the return of live performance, but let's take a moment to acknowledge how much I miss being at the opening of a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> like Peter Parker dies, the kids are crying, Infinity War is on people. What? Where's that? I can't have that anymore. Yeah, like big, big movie premieres. <laughs> there, there's so many things that I'm like, like, Live theater, I'm happy as back. Movies, I'm, I'm happy as back. I'm going to my first concert in about a month. That is, I'm like, what? like I have no idea where if I'm just gonna turn around and leave or whatnot. I like, I don't know. I was like, it's a just small uh, or smaller artist, like Canadian artist Rich O'Quinn at a small venue at Ursa, whatever. So I was like, I'm okay with him getting my ticket money if I'm uncomfortable. Like it's more about supporting the, the, the small musician coming to town and whatever like i'm all there to support the local stuff but then i was like i don't know how am i gonna react yeah. when i'm actually there like like in a theater you're like okay i'm gonna sit down and have my my bubble and i can sit and i can enjoy the performance but mm -hmm. uh, the concert as they're dancing because apparently like it's late in the month apparently they'll be dancing i don't know how it's so strange all of these layers and and, and it it did feel like in the fall we were getting back to a comfortable place and then you, we're doing it. We're doing it again. We're talking about COVID again. We all, <laughs> but what is the return of theater? And, and then and like, good. This is, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, good. Well, just to say, we were starting to get comfortable again. And then yeah. it's like slapped us across the face over the holidays. Yep. And I kind of feel, I feel cautiously optimistic. That's what I keep saying, that things are, are going to be okay. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I've read. So this, I mean, again, obviously, this is the only thing to talk about. But I have read mm -hmm. like some kind of promising data that seems to indicate that like it's never really going away. Mm -hmm. But like with the the with the Omicron mutation being like more contagious, but less severe, it might just be like settling into a flu ish yeah. cycle. And now it's like it's just a new flu that we kind of have. Yeah. And and as long as like hospitalizations and whatever else like that don't, as long as it becomes like a manageable thing where you're like some people will get it, it's not mm -hmm. going to be that serious. Mm -hmm. I can I can handle that. It's it's like hopefully like I, I can say I, I, they're, they're at the point now where I was like it's never going to be eradicated, yeah. right? Like that's we blew it. <laughs> as, as a species, we had a real shot at this thing. Yep. We blew it, but I do have a lot of masks now, and I, that. You know, that's pretty cool, <laughs> I guess. You get all kinds of masks. I got cloth. I got N95. I got KN95 if you want to see the different flavors. Oh, yeah. And we we just like, literally picked up a box of K of not K95, N95s <laughs> the other day just, just to be like, you know, just 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 in case. Like, if we're like, going to a – if I have to go to a waiting room at a hospital or something, I'm like, N95, stick that to my face. <laughs> like, like, layer up. <laughs> get it, get I mean, it ready. Same thing too. It's like we we've we've migrated away from the cloth ones to to the disposables because apparently they're they're more effective and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes we double up. I'm bad at throwing things out. We just have a lot of cloth masks that we never wear. But yeah. hey, in about like ten years, there's a Halloween costume 
you're going as 2020 version of yourself with a real flimsy cloth mask. (laughs) Except I guess your costumes, you can't go anywhere. That doesn't make sense. All right, I want to work on that. I got 10 years to work on that. We've got time. (laughs) Put it it together for the 10th. What are we going to do for the 10th anniversary of COVID? (laughs) It's the 250th episode. There we go. Oh, Oh, God. Um, So, yeah, so... I guess like I mean like since you this is your first time on the show so usually we, we yeah. kind of do like a, a walk through the the life and times of a guest oh, yeah. how, how you got to where you are and why you're why you're doing confabulation now but I guess that you have to tell that story through Montreal improv theater starting oh, off I guess ages it goes it's so funny because so confabulation started twelve years ago. And it felt like that was a time when everyone was starting new things, new things were happening. Like um, Uncalled For was in the middle of making some changes. A bunch of us were moving to Toronto. Some of us, the loyalists, were staying in Montreal where we belong. <laughs> I just came up with that now and I'm standing with it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, um, any of the guys must have been starting Montreal Improv around the same time because everyone was getting excited about all of these new ideas. And mm-hmm. when Confabulation started out, it was really um, trying to find a, a place to share these personal stories. I, I'd really gotten into the Moth podcast, into this idea of true life storytelling, autobiographical storytelling, people sharing um, experiences of their lives. And... Um, through improv at sketch comedy, I'd always gotten into sort of the stunt mentality, like, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to one up this? And I guess I realized listening to the podcast, like, I, I didn't know what this, like, did I have anything worth talking about? <laughs> I was a, I was a, you know, like a 27 year old guy in Montreal. What, what do I have to talk about? And um, so we hosted the first show. It was actually at the freestanding room. So before we tried to even out of Montreal improv. Um, and it was a wild, weird, winging it kind of night. We had six storytellers, all random actors and theater folk and improv people I knew from Montreal. And uh, at the end of that, I, I just I threw it out there. I got on stage and told my first true story about my uh, being diagnosed diabetic, which was like a heavier story than I intended. <laughs> Here's the story of my chronic disease. But... Um, so just spinning on that, I realized, yeah, what I love about storytelling, what I love about telling my own stories and hearing other people's stories, uh, started there that night. And I guess, yeah, we've kind of wandered the city for 12 years <laughs> doing shows on Mainline and Metro Improv. And, Which is so yeah. crazy because I, I think, and I mean, obviously it's been around like storytelling as a art form, I think oh, it's yeah. been around forever probably the oldest one of like it's got to be it's got to be it up is there with it is <laughs> i mean all storytelling all art is storytelling right like yeah. and the idea of it's like sitting around sharing what happened to you today is the oldest thing in the world exactly. for sure uh but i think that there has been a bit of a resurgence of it in a way like a confabulation is obviously i think like a, a tentpole storytelling situation here in montreal but mm. it's just like there's like a lot of times where you'll see like a comedy show will do like a storytelling night or what have you like where that I don't think that was necessarily the case 10 12 years ago right like I for sure there's in this huge uh surge of storytelling shows and storytelling performances um and it's it's one of those weird things I don't think there was a single thing that started it but they all seem to start around the same time 
Like the moth is obviously a big inspiration, I think, for a lot of solo performers yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. But um, shows in Toronto and Winnipeg and Vancouver all kind of started around 12, 14 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we weren't aware of each other because, I mean, we're all like indie per- or art, uh, arts performers in our various It states. does translate well to podcasts, though, right? Like storytelling as like a mm-hmm. podcasting medium is like, obviously, there's like a live performance element to it. But I know you guys have the, the Confabulation podcast that like... Yeah. A story is a story. You're going to obviously lose some of maybe the the, the animation of the storyteller, like mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. But you're still going to retain a lot of it just holding oh, yeah. your voice. So I think I think the rise of podcasting and the rise of storytelling may be linked. Yeah, and I mean, there's a little bit of me that like, I mean, I hate that old. Uh, cliche complaint about a disconnected world and we never see each other but as much as I make that goofy voice like that's a little bit true like right. we do feel a little separate we do feel a little disconnected mm-hmm. and there's something nice about hearing somebody else's story and either it's I totally get where you're coming from I connect with it or you're blowing my mind this is another way of seeing the world another perspective that I've never had before mm-hmm. and hopefully any confabulation that you go to you get a bit of both right like a totally relatable or a totally mind-blowing kind of experience yeah, and I mean, even or even if it's not relatable, just to to go with someone on a trip that happened to them, right? Like a hearing a, a standpoint that isn't your own, but that is like true and real for them. You're like, like I, uh, I don't know if it was confabulation. It might have been, but was there someone who told like an agoraphobia ish story? I feel we've had stories about agoraphobia we have okay so that, that's it it's like i remember an agor- agoraphobia like which is i've never even remotely <laughs> like experienced that but like like the anxiety and stuff like that like allowed me to be in the shoes of the storyteller mm-hmm. to like feel what what life of your home in as, as a prison was like you know like it's something that i would never think about in my day <laughs> you know like that would really but it was yeah. a captivating story well, and when you're seeing it from a person's perspective, and we really encourage our storytellers to, to to sink into the language of the story, not, I mean, if you haven't been to the show before, audience, uh, it, it is, it's not a total acting exercise. People don't necessarily come up and perform, I'm a 12-year-old, but we do try to capture that 12-year-old spirit. Like, what did it feel like to go through that experience? What did it sound like, smell like? I think... To 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 lay it out for the audience, the list, our listening audience, mm-hmm. is it, it, it? There is a there is a difference between the stories told at Confabulation and like a one man show theater production. Yes, like there there that, that is is a different thing. <laughs> like absolutely, like we first off we uh, uh, we have a cap on time. We want our stories <laughs> six to eight minutes. I mean, you got your own show. That's great. Like go for an hour, go for an hour and a half. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is a different thing. Like it's a totally different project to build something like that. Yeah. But with, with like six to eight minutes, like you get just, um, just a window into somebody's life and ideally one experience and how long an experience lasts changes from story to story. But it's the story of the worst day of your life, the best day of your life, um, a, a week when everything changed for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. I love this. I really do. So how do you how do you go about? Like I know I remember there was what was Ala France's story? He had a bunch. Are you thinking of the one his breakup when he was in the hurricane? No, no, no. But no, but was it was it was it confabulation? Or was it another show? But didn't he have his own storytelling show? He well, he ran the Solos Festival. He also got involved with Yarn as well. Yarn, yeah. Miss Yarn. 
I had a thing that I used to say all the time after Jeff stopped doing yarn, which was that um, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool when there's a bunch of shows that are exploring different aspects of an idea like storytelling. It's mm -hmm. a little weird when you're the storytelling show. You're like, oh, look at that thing you do. That's cute. That's like small. It's not a scene anymore. I, I don't know. I love my audience. I love my storytellers. Uh, please keep telling stories. <laughs> but I miss when there was more of a scene. Yeah. Hopefully some more of that comes back. No, that's it. Like, cause I remember like, uh, cause I, I did yarn, uh, right. like, uh, Al, Al asked me, he was like, Oh, like pretty last minute too. He was like, he's mm -hmm. like, Oh, you could just, I presume you could tell the story. Cause he's like, I've been on the show and I know you could just like probably hammer it out. And I was like, and I went, I, I did well, but it was, I I know for a fact that like, uh, I've heard you guys talk about like the confabulation process mm. and that, that you're like meeting with the performers and what, and like I said, I do not want to diminish anything from yarn. And I, and I also did a good job at yarn. So I'm not trying to diminish that, <laughs> but Al was just like, you got, you got five minutes. And I was like, I'll come up with something for five minutes. Not a problem. And then was just left to it. And then just got up on stage and did that. Like, he asked me if everything was okay or if, and if I needed any workshopping and I was like, no, I got it. <laughs> and, and it was fine. But you guys really like, like you, you take this on, uh, I think from a, a obviously a, instead of being the back of KGB, you're performing at Centaur theater. <laughs> so there is like an expectation, I think of a, a slightly yeah. more okay. then, but, but what is the process of like, I guess I can write a story mm -hmm. and if, and like just from where I come from, I would write it putting like, I was going to say pen to paper, but like fingers to keyboard and just sort of like write it out and then just kind of revise it and try to find my voice of how I would perform it. And then I would just go from there. How do you really do it being a person with, you know, like theatrical experience? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, so... Sorry, I didn't mean to so, no, no, no. I was gonna say, like, like, you, like you mentioned that you're like, oh, you're gonna be like on a call, workshopping with the performers. Like, it, it seems like it's a, a much more uh, involved theatrical, like something you would expect from an, a normal stage production, mm -hmm. right? Like, with not to say you're necessarily directing them, but like you're giving notes, you're giving. Yeah. How how does that work out? Go to, tell us about that process. Sure, sure, sure. Interesting. So, <laughs> this this process is super important to me. I mean, it's something that we developed and. I say we developed in the within the first year. Uh, that first year was me. I, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but just I'm thinking of that young me was able to do it. everything. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, but with storytelling, it's it's not a it's not like other um, performance art forms, right? We don't think about storytellers having an editor like you would with literary arts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not like comedy where you, you try it out and you try it out and you try it out. Often these storytellers are telling it one time, mm -hmm. maybe they'll tell it again a few years later, or when someone else starts another storytelling show in Montreal, they can go do those shows. <laughs> um, but we want to give people that opportunity to sharpen their material. We want to mm -hmm. give people the chance to, to get feedback, to work on it. So I ask our storytellers to uh, prepare an original text to work from, to write it out, uh, writing it out uh, often in the first person uh, present tense to make it like an active, engaging story. Super weird when you try to read it and you're like trying to be present tense, but you have 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, it's just the exercise of writing it out and trying to get what it feels like. Um and we first start with a literary process where we edit that text with the person just to point out little places where maybe the language is unclear, giving, like you say, giving notes rather than directing. Mm 
because mm-hmm. I never want to take somebody's voice away, but rather just trying to help clarify things that aren't clear. And then as quickly as possible, I really want to get rid of the script because yeah. the two most uh, conflicting experiences you can have at a storytelling show, seeing someone who's tried real hard, but they are just glued to a page that they don't have in front of them. And you can see them trying to recite the word for word, perfect script. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't feel like they're not in the room with you anymore. They don't yeah, feel exactly. connected to you. Whereas on the other hand, someone who hasn't really planned it out and is just kind of pulling ideas from the ether around them and trying to reorganize it in person, you don't want that either. So we try to get the script and then you try to drop the script, try to yeah. just get it in your voice and get it feeling natural again. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a strange process, but like I'm lucky that I've got this great production team that I work with now. So we are able to partner up everyone with a workshopper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some more experienced storytellers who, who need a little less of that encouragement and shaping. So that helps too. And how, how long, how, like I said, like, how long do you workshop a, uh, like I said, cause you're, you're six to eight minutes. So like yeah. how much, how much work? And I mean, like, obviously like writing it is, is something that I guess that, that just that initial pass for the storyteller, I'm sure mm-hmm. that that could vary wildly, right? Like I'll sometimes there's going to be something that, like bubbles up in your brain and you're going to hit a few thousand words on a page in like a minute, or sometimes you're going to be like toiling. I don't think, I don't think we can necessarily put a time on the writing process of how the, no, how no, the no. first draft on the storytelling. Cause I'm sure that can be wild. But once you have that first draft, yeah. like how much sort of, I guess, production goes into a six and eight minute story on average. Let's, let's fall oh, it's such a tough question, right? Because one of the, interesting things. We have storytellers who are coming from comedy or who are coming from professional writing backgrounds or coming as actors. But then we also have storytellers who are uh, librarians and office workers or students, and that maybe they don't have that same um, skill with writing quickly or, or experience with stage performance or what have you. So I hate giving averages. This is my least favorite question. But in my ideal world, like... Okay, so, so it, not, yeah. av- time might not be the right answer. I guess, like, effort in, in a way of just, yeah. like, like how many how many passes do you like to see or what have you? And again, like I said, obviously val- varies wildly. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I think most of our storytellers, I mean, the first writing is, like you say, the most challenging and we maybe put a good hour and a bit into that. And then we try to get two... I think of it as like two connections with the workshopper mm-hmm. where it can be very brief. It can be 20 minutes just to talk through the story, see how things are going, give some suggestions, some shaping. And um, then it's really up to the storyteller, how much they, they, they put into the reshaping from there. Mm-hmm. I really don't think at the stage of professionalism we're at, we can really reasonably ask for more than a couple of hours, like two hours would be mm-hmm. nice. That's a really good amount of time but i know some storytellers put in a lot more some storytellers really want to come in strong and and that work does show so the, here's a, a question for you obviously like you, you yeah. perform yeah. uh do you rehearse much like or do you let or do you do you like hit your your point because obviously i think this this is something that's we very briefly kind of touched on it and if it hasn't yeah. come together matt has performed uh for a number of years as an improviser Mm-hmm. right like when you did uncalled for and stuff like that yeah. and we i think if if without deconstructing improv hmm. it's all about you know like defining your structure and then like playing in that structure right like so 
So this is what's weird. I'm weird. Um, I'm going to take a sidestep for a minute and say, so many of our storytellers work in different ways, depending yeah. on their backgrounds. We have improvisers who, everything I said about writing a full script, that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> An improviser will come in with a structure, with an organizational yeah. flow to their story. Or maybe uh, um, the other kinds of performers, other kinds of writers will come up with different things. We've had a few people who just record their story and working from audio is something we can do as well. Mm-hmm. With me... I, I guess maybe it's just the effect of doing this for so long is uh, depending on the story and depending on what I want to do in the moment, I work differently. Sometimes I will just, and this is probably the most common thing, I will, I will just speak it out a bunch. I will just have to try and talk it out a few times to try and get the flow of things. Mm-hmm. But then the actual performance in the space ends up being wildly different from, from whatever it is I've, I've talked out. And that's really just me trying to get a sense of pace, trying to get a sense of like, what are the major beats of the story? But then uh, that's the improv brain in me wants to feed off the audience energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that works really well for some stories for lighter stories. My stories about my son is a six year old goofball. Those kinds of things work really well. Yeah. Well, I can imagine Friday, when you yeah. decide to tackle something, I'm sure like more dramatic, everything I think shifts where you're like, Oh, I need to, Oh my God. I have I have a folder of stories about <laughs> about my mom, my dead mom. I got a whole bunch of drafts because that's different. Yeah, I'm not winging those ones. Yeah, oh. yeah, I can imagine. It's like, right? uh, yeah, that, that's. <laughs> and that's I, I would awful. even have the like, way I framed that is so bad. Got a whole folder of stories. It's okay. Jeez. My mom has passed away. It's a safe place. Oh, thank you. Like, like, the amount the amount of times I uh, I just I think anyone anyone who knows me just knows that my like sense of humor is like wildly inappropriate and whatever like like i would have a really hard time i think even even if it was like a tearjerker story i think i'd have a very difficult time to frame it as a tearjerking story do you know what i mean like i would be like i don't think these stories very often they still punch they might still hurt and i didn't think they would mm -hmm. uh, but they still have teeth yeah but Uh, but on a podcast i could certainly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and off the cuff about it mm-hmm. oh man but yeah no that that it's 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 like i said I, I would i would approach things very very differently and i think mm-hmm. that it would almost be like yeah i'd be super concerned about like not even necessarily sharing it but just sort of like how would i do it would i do this story justice i'd feel a lot better like writing it <laughs> i think than necessarily performing it if that's like a uh that's a way like it, I had the I, I had the, to to take something serious and like maybe steer it away from sad uh, mm. writing my wedding vows six years ago. It, it was like I, I it was wild to me because like I knew that the words that I were physically writing were like heartfelt and 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 touching. But then I had this weird like disconnect of being like, hey, um if this is too rehearsed, it's me giving a speech and that's not the moment I want to share with my wife. So you're like, you kind of want to stay in a weird, like storytelling. This is, this is why I hate the question about how much time does it take to (laughs) prepare a story? Because, um, to say like the, the, the stories about my mom were very helpful and great. They took me ages. They've taken me ages to sort out. Similarly, like I've got all these stories, which I don't ever want to over script. Stories right. about, I mean, yeah, the wedding vows, that strikes. I totally, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
you want it to be real in the moment. And there are stories we tell on our show that we want to feel earnest. Yeah. Like you don't want, you don't want your, you want to like your wedding vows to not become like a bubble, like a blubbering mess coming out, but also, but you don't want to be like, I am here to marry you. You know, like you're not going to like, you don't want to feel like you're reading a script either when you're doing, when you're like doing Performances mess me up for authenticity forever. I'm always wondering, am I really feeling this or am I performing this? Yeah. Uh, that's getting existential. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that's when we take the dark philosophical turn. There it is. Um, t- so, t- confabulation returning t- yeah. to live theater. Um, themed, always themed. Always themed. I like to give a launching off point for our storytellers and something for the audience to hold on to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, was this originally planned to be a Valentine's Day uh, episode and then it just pushed out? Because it would have been a good one. Uh, You know, it's a theme we've used for Valentine's Day before. And honestly, the plan was January was supposed to be our... Okay, (laughs) I won't go even further back. We were supposed to have a triumphant return in October and then that goes to November. And then Centaur, we were supposed to do the show in January for the wild side. And then COVID continued. We want our Centaur themes to be big ones. And I just know from experience, good date, bad date. We all love dating stories. Yeah. We all, they hurt so bad. (laughs) They're so good. (laughs) So it isn't, you know, it's kind of like a post Valentine's day media meditation, maybe. (laughs) And I guess it's the, the best, the best would be, I feel that like, you know, not to say, you know, I'm just assuming like, like there are people there on a date. Oh yeah. This is the best part. You're just like, you're going to see the centaur setup is pretty sweet. They got little tables, little chairs. Very romantic. If you're pretty looking good. for a date night this weekend, head down to centaur theater. Check out good date, bad night. Uh, yeah, no, the, and I guess that that's, that's the, the big comeback. And I think that's super relatable. And, but I was wondering, I was like, do you re- if you're, are you performing? Are you, I, uh, I perform uh, every show. And that, you're in everyone. I mean, I, no, that's not true. I haven't hosted everyone. Everyone I host, I always tell a story. Okay. Which means uh, that somewhere out there, there's like a hundred recordings of stories of me, which is kind of weird, but anyway. Don't worry. It's, it's, I, 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 I've had that experience just like a handful of times. Like, like just where, where someone's like, I'm a big fan of the show or whatever. And then especially, and they're like, oh, and I listened to the other one. And then there's like, there's a weird, like, you know, the, 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 like the zoom in pan out moment where I realize this person has listened to me like for 500 hours. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, my dog and my wife and like my vacation and like everything. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, pleased to meet you. <laughs> I took my daughter to a pediatrician appointment and it was just like a general family health clinic. And she was, I think she was like five or six at the time. And this guy recognized me in the waiting room. It was like talking to me. And at some point he looked over and was, is this Ella from the stories? <laughs> she did not look happy with this one strange person. Yeah, I was like, who is this person? Why do they know me? What story did you tell, my Dad? whole birth and life experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's when I stopped including Ella in my stories. No, no, there no. you go. Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's very real. Um, but yeah, no, I guess I guess the the the, the question I wanted to ask is, how, I like, are you going to tell if you've done good date, bad date before? Hmm. You just like start mining 
the like your memories for for more like does that get harder and harder like to so funny because i had this point uh deb who's the general manager uh of confabulation montreal and i were talking about that we really brainstormed for a while what would be a really good solid live return theme being good day bad day right away we're like this is gonna be great perfect month goes by i'm like what am i gonna talk about mm -hmm. i haven't been I mean, within my marriage, I haven't been on a date in three years, something like that. And then before that, like a pre-relation, what am I going to talk about? So I had to do the whole quiet meditation, go through the litany of what was a what was a weird or problematic relationship I've had in my life. And I still got them, apparently. I, I think this is the thing. We don't often think, dating stories aside, we don't often think about all the weird things that have happened to us in our lives. Yeah branded that we're like we're here now but if you actually take the time to try and take stock of the things you've experienced there's stuff there's always stuff yeah for sure like i also i, I feel there's like a weird i don't know but i don't know if it's the same for you but there's something like i think strange that's very specific to your like 20s oh god yeah where like there seemed to be like so much could happen in a day that I don't know why. I don't know if it's just like 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 the, the difference of how we experience time as we age or whatever. But you're just sort of like, oh, wait, that was one day where it was like you were at the, like the idea of just like my Friday nights would often consist going to like four or five different establishments. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we met these people here and then we went to these people there. And then like now you're just sort of like, oh, well, we went over to so-and-so's for dinner and had a lovely time and went home. And like, that's my Friday night, you know, like versus like there was just stuff crammed into your early 20s at like such a dense way that I guess it, without maybe sitting there and really like meditating and trying to untangle some of those memories, you're there's just so much stuff, <laughs> you know, like totally. And I want to be clear, the great irony of me hosting the storytelling show, I, I actually have a pretty crappy memory and I have to call people. Remember for a story last year, I had to talk to my childhood best friend because I just couldn't remember stuff. Like I know things happened around this camping trip. Can you fill in some details? Um, and that was really an interesting experience. But, you know, the other thing that can help is that having told some stories five years ago, I think about them totally differently now. Like I have all these stories from the first three or four years of confabulation all before I had kids um, that I understand totally differently now. Like I have early stories about my um, lunatic parents that I, I suddenly have so much more empathy for them. I'm like this is hard. <laughs> this is messy, messy and hard. Or jobs. Job at forty one is not what a job meant at twenty eight. Yeah, it's changed. I'll bet. <laughs> I I haven't gone back and listened to like the old podcast but i'm sure i'm sure they're insane like i said we've been doing it we've been this will be we technically hit the 10th anniversary of the show last august so i i guarantee you they're they're completely nuts like i like i know for a fact we were probably wasted like for like most like the first stretch of shows there's no way we were not just heavily drinking I, I, looking back at how I, I don't know if I should make this on the podcast. I drink a lot at, at, at events, and confabulation is a pretty serious, like calm, relaxed, kind of fun environment. But like now, I'm like, how did I? Why did I do that? 
this is me sober. I talk in different tones of voice. I'm, you can't see on um, the podcast, but my hand gestures are everything. Yeah. You're like, nah, and, this story will be amazing five or six beers in. That'll be. And that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to just no, fuzz man confabulation. <laughs> I just like want to fuzz, fuzz everything that's going on between me and the story and just see how that works out. Like, let's just go for it. I'm glad I quit doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I said, it just I I'm I'm excited. At one point, we we've talked about it. I think to to get together and like some of the, the hosts or whatever, and just like pick out certain episodes of the podcast and go back to listen to them because they're going to be like hilarious time capsules of like like 2012. Like especially yeah. like I said, especially the 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 one I do with uh, with Scott and John, which is way more just like doesn't have a guest, just the three of us kind of shooting the shit is the premise. <laughs> so that always just sounds like eavesdropping on a hangout between the three of us. And that like, that has changed so much. Like, again, like, like the, the other two guys have become uh, like dads over the course of the show, you know, like people's careers have changed. Like uh, yeah. one of them met the mother of his child, like somewhere in the middle of the show, like it wasn't even dating her when the show started, you know, like I think he, I think he talks about going on dates in the early episodes you know, like, because he was single when we started, like all that, there's, there's these hours of stuff that we could go back and listen to. Just like, hey, you want to go back and listen to a hangout with your buddies from 10 years ago? Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go back and, there. And if civilization survives, imagine going back to that in, in 20 years. In, yeah, in well, we've years. even, we've even gone, not, we haven't done this, but we've thought about <laughs> what it would take to like set up some kind of a like a fund or what have if like a certain amount of money that you could like leave in, a, in an account that would generate enough interest to pay for like hosting fees like forever <laughs> you know so at least until the hosting went down so we were just sort of like if we could just like perpetuate the podcast archive past our like physical lives the year is 2265. <laughs> the, the greater internet project is reduced to one podcast that has survived because they were the only ones with the forethought to invest in this. Exactly. To invest in forever, forever hosting or whatever it is. There's going to be a class on you at whatever McGill turns into. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm also just like, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm really excited. And I mean, I guess like you, you have a bunch of the stories, I think that are also up on the, uh, on the, the confabulation podcast, so at least you have them there. Like uh, Scott's kid is, he's not at necessarily quite age appropriate to listen to talk to everything that we talk about, but like, he's now like 12, you know? And I'm like, like, there's like a couple of years from now where he's going to be able to go back and listen to his dad hanging out with his friends. Yeah. You know, like when his dad was 20, like, and you know, like it's that I think is something that I really kind of, I, I can't wait to experience vicariously through Scott to be like, yo, what happens when your kid is just sort of like, I'm going to go listen to 200 hours of dad. I don't think he will listen to all of it, but no, but just to get a taste of this is because like I, really I have... would like if my dad like I, so if my dad was like an old like radio announcer, I would love to the idea of going back and listen to his like late night radio show. Right. Like I would be obsessed with going back and hearing my dad in the 60s or whatever, you know, like so true. 
So I have, we have beyond the podcast, we've got the archive of 12 years of stories. So there's all of these stories and a bunch of them are right in the middle. There are about the birth of my kids and yeah, their young life. And mm-hmm. I wonder how that's going to sound to them. I wonder like, is that better than a baby book? We have a baby book. I was very bad at filling it out. <laughs> maybe this is my audio baby book. Yeah, maybe. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that'll be like a, a, a fun, it, I, like I said, I don't know. I mean, obviously, and that's the other thing too, is I, I think that kids these days, kids these days. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think. How long we've known each other. We've talked about how old we are. And you just got <laughs> kids these days, right? These days. No, it, it's just like, it, it's, I, I, you know, like they, they, they say that like our age is like actually a micro generation. Cause like we, we grew up without the internet, but then it happened while we were still like young enough to experience it. Like, like that's a, it's, I, I really can't get my head around what it must be like growing up in like today's internet. Like it, it's just, oh, having so much information at your fingertips, having so much footage of people, like social media stuff, seeing your friends on TikTok, but you're also on TikTok. Like it, 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 it blows my mind. And I have like, I have no idea what that means for them growing up. I'm not even saying it's like a negative, necessarily a negative or a positive. It's just foreign to me to grow up. It with today's technology seems like literally must be like growing up on like your entire formative experience will be so different. Well, you you've had this experience where there are things you don't know how to do on the internet. I'm sure like, I've had that. There are corners that I don't know how to access, that, like TikTok. I've never. Oh God, I feel like I'm aging myself here. I, I have not. Uh, I have not ticked to talk, and I, I haven't. It's a rabbit hole. Like I, I, I've, I've avoided it. Yeah. <laughs> but like I, I, I have some young friends who've like shown me like how it's not like because like the the little videos like bubble up to the surface of Instagram and Facebook, but it's like that's like tip of the iceberg of what is there i've experienced tiktok through reddit i feel ancient and stupid and i don't know how to do anything (laughs) that's it but but yeah that's it like we're we're like i didn't know for instance like like that there were like long form tiktoks and whatever where there's like doctors and stuff like like doing like talking and like having like you know like almost like classes and stuff on tiktok like what like it's it's crazy but yeah that's it but they're just like they're growing up with all of this all the time. Like I was like, I remember going to the library to use the internet, you know, like <laughs> you don't have a computer at home. I got to go to my school. I totally remember that. Exactly. That's it. Like that was like, have to go to the go, like go to the library to use Encarta. You know, oh <laughs> you got to put the CD-ROM inside of the box and then the box goes in the drive. Exactly. There's just, the whole thing and that that's it but like now there's just so much so i've like i said i have no idea what what they're i think i think also it's really funny because like there's like a, a a younger crowd now that is not into posting anything mm-hmm. like like i think we're seeing like the, we're seeing the backlash of it well they, they they saw how facebook broke everyone's brain who's over 40. yeah <laughs> Well, but even me, I was just like, I remember like when Facebook started, it was like, oh, every time there was a party, someone took like 50 pictures. Like every party had like a photo album that went with it. And I was like, no, that stopped. We realized that was weird. And (laughs) we don't want 50. Oh, God. 
Yeah, we don't want 50 photos of every party anymore. That's that's like it's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> we just want to download our conspiracy theories and move on with our lives. Exactly. That's 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 Stop. what Facebook is for. Um, so we're coming winding down. Uh, okay. We have to get five questions though. So, okay. Uh, every episode, we ask the same three questions to our guests. Then we ask the fourth question, which is a question from our previous guest to you without knowing it was you. And then I will spoil the fifth question. The fifth question is, what question would you like to ask our next guest? Not knowing who it is. Love it. So you get to ask a question into the future. Uh, We'll run through them. They they all, we usually change them every 50 episodes, but we haven't done a proper 50 go plug yourselves in the last two years. So we haven't changed them up yet. So like, cause we, we, we took like, it's it's funny when in 2020 when everybody when, when the pandemic started and everybody started to do the instagram lives and whatever else like that we just stopped having guests and we just started being the hosts just talking about like talking about comedy we did like i want to say a two-part episode on the mcu because <laughs> we were just like we we're like no i don't want to like every it was such saturation of content early on that i just didn't have like i really didn't have the energy to be like now listen to my thing or whatever because like my my thing existed before i knew my thing was going to exist after so we just decided to get like really insular about what the show was so i don't count those as full episodes that go plug yourself even though i think they're numbered so (laughs) i think that's like 210 to 220 or something um Anyway, so question number one, uh, what do your thoughts sound like? Oh, my thoughts are uh, my voice really fast. Like I know in this interview, in this conversation, I spoke quickly at some points, but my uh, my inner voice is a lot like my own, but it speaks much louder and faster than I actually do. It actually is an exaggerated, like a, like a pantomime version of my voice, like, <laughs> even more. I think that's true. Occasionally it calms down though, then it's pretty chill. But, but you do like, it's, it's very much like, it, it's very much a voice speaking. Yeah. I have voice. a voice and um, I have to admit that I am one of those people that voice squeaks out sometimes that I end up speaking my inner monologue because I'm a weirdo. I've done that. I think I've, 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 I, okay. I mean, so I have like, I have pretty, pretty serious ADHD. So sometimes i have to like especially like I, I i really need to like i need to formulate in my head whether it's in language or half thoughts or whatever like i need to formulate lists to even get like very routine things done mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like if, if i don't like i'll just like wander around the house doing nothing <laughs> like because i have no order of operation i'm just like oh no totally and then sometimes crazy. like uh if i'm alone i'll just be like Here's what you need to do. And like, and when, when I'm saying like, that's not like chores, it'll be like, mm. and then I'll watch TV, you know, <laughs> like, like it's not even necessarily like a useful list. It's just like, if I don't sit down and watch TV, I'll just kind of like dick around and lose time to nothing, which is like a very weird thing. So I, I, I get the talking out loud. Sometimes you need yeah, to reinforce yeah. it. <laughs> I do get songs sometimes too. And those aren't in my voice. Those are in the voices of the actual band. I do. <laughs> Do you get songs stuck in your head? I do all the time. I listen. I I have headphones pretty much all the time. Uh, I'm holding up headphones. I don't know why. Podcast. Visual. And (laughs) it's always music or a podcast or an audio book. But 
I'm just so used to life having a soundtrack. Mm. Maybe that's why my inner voice is a voice. Oh, it's been a useful productive therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) I've taken now, like, so I've, again, I think it might be ADHD related where I have like, I have a hard time listening to songs with lyrics while Mm. I'm working. Like it, I, I cannot write. I will just like zero in and get like hyper focused onto the music. If there's lyrics, like if there's something for me to like grab, and like sometimes I'll even find myself like having just typed out the lyrics that I'm listening and not the thoughts that I'm having. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I, for for writing, I need to like I need to just be in a space and just yeah. I, I've just started listening to a lot of weird like lo-fi uh, instrumental like hip hop kind of stuff where I was like, yeah, this is perfect. It's a just chill sound that doesn't distract. Anyway, tips for writing music, music to listen to while writing. Uh, Question number two, what was your favorite thing to eat as a child? Could be a meal, could be a snack. So embarrassing because I love to cook now, but when I was a kid, I had just decided I was dead set against home-cooked meals. So it's a tie between the taquitos they sell at Costco and the pogo, the corn dog, the perfect meal. That was great. Can't eat them now. It makes no sense to me anymore. It's, it's a horror. But did you, was, it, was it mustard ketchup or plain or both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have mustard ketchup. You had to have a little, a little swirl. Okay. But I, I, would do them, I would do them plain as well. <laughs> I've eaten plain pogos. I'm not ashamed to admit it. That's I've done that. <laughs> oh, and even, I don't know why the taquitos from Costco are like such a clear memory. It's weird. Those, I love taquitos also, but they're like it's a gross thing. <laughs> I just like the solid mess of cheese. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. It's not good cuisine. Frozen uh, from Costco pogos are pogos are weird though. <laughs> that's just like. Have you? I have no idea where you live. I live in NDG, and this place opened up nearby, Wag Dog. Okay. They are fancy corn dogs. Highly recommend. I got super sick after eating it, <laughs> but okay. Okay, I'm not selling it well, right? <laughs> it was so delicious. It was perfect. It was perfect until it didn't work out so well at the end. I could, I just, I think that it, there, it's, I feel it's really easy, especially if you're like, I, I have this often where I used to have like an iron stomach in Mm -hmm. my 20s because I just ate crap. Yes. And now that like uh, my wife is an amazing cook and we have like we order like even the beef that we eat is from a like a butcher once a year kind of thing. And it's like it was alive the day before it was frozen. You know, (laughs) like it was like it's like it goes like like butchered frozen to our house is where our beef comes from we have produce baskets that we subscribe to in the summer so it's like farm fresh skipping all that stuff mm. and then all of a sudden like you eat like a mcdonald's hamburger and you and it just hits your stomach like a gut punch and you're like this was i used to live off of this you know like i want to give full respect to wag dog by the way their food was great it's not food poisoning i'm describing yes what you're describing it's just something my like body. greasy yeah. or whatever hits it and you're just like uh like my body can't do it yeah my 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 cousin uh used to run a, a grilled cheese truck in halifax and and like i would know i was like oh yeah my stomach's gonna feel like i'm not gonna get ill but again it's like cheese from the 
from the dairy farmer like that morning like bread from whatever it's like amazing stuff but you'd still just like a greasy amazing thick grilled cheese sandwich that's just gonna hit your stomach and you're like that was the most delicious thing I've had, but let me just sort of like bend over and double up in pain for a little bit, <laughs> just, just a little. And uh, yeah, so Wag Dogs is in that area. But like, but what, what, is there extra stuff or is it just okay. like? Yes, this is what we got to get out there. Okay. They will give you a, a corn dog with bacon inside. So it okay. is a sausage wrapped in bacon, deep fried. Yes. Wow. They also though. Yeah. Doubled up in pain yeah, after, yeah, the, after the deliciousness. If you don't want that, like if you don't want the hot dog, if you're a vegetarian, they'll do a mozzarella cheese core instead of a hot dog core. Wow. If you don't want the corn dog wrapper, they have um, they have different exteriors. They have one that's just like potato. Hmm. Could be okay. I, I, I'll check it out. So where, where you, is this in NDG? I'm like, I'm in Point St. Uh, Charles. I'm not far. So it's, it's like. Far. It's on Monkland. Okay. Somewhere east, uh, no, west of me. It's like just after all the shops. It's towards the end, but it's great. Okay, so like before Cavendish, but yeah, like... yeah, between Cavendish and Decarry, somewhere in there. Gotcha, gotcha. Right, go I'm hungry. Uh, yes, we're almost done, Matt. <laughs> no, 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 we're good. We're good. <laughs> Question number three: What is the uh, best or worst thing about growing up? Best or worst thing about yeah, you don't even have to answer both. You could just do one. If you, if only one comes to mind. Some people do both. It's up to you. So look, when I was in high school, my favorite teacher, my drama teacher, told me the great thing about growing up was that you were more comfortable in your skin. You'd get to know yourself mm-hmm. in a way. And yeah, just that you would feel older, you would get this growing sense of comfort in who you were. And I'm now about the age she was when she told me that, and she lied. I <laughs> never got that sense of comfort or confidence in my body. Like, we all want, and maybe I still have some growing to do, I guess. But like, I just get tired. <laughs> I just get stomach aches when I eat the food I want to eat. Where's my comfort and knowledge in who I really am? I guess I like myself better. Like my personality is probably better than it was. <laughs> I would want to hang out with myself more now than me at 20, but like, man, I want that iron stomach we were talking about. <laughs> I want no back pain. <laughs> I was like, uh, I mean, you, you've your, your men- mentioned your kids and stuff, but like, I remember just a buddy of mine had his first, mm-hmm. I want to say it like at 35 or 36. Mm. A- and then, and, and he was like, obviously great, but he's like, Oh man, he's like, evolution really, really intends you to have kids in your twenties. Like he was like, remember all that? Like, Oh, I don't, I can be perfectly functional on four hours of sleep. Hmm. You were using that to party. It was meant to take care of children. Like he was like, like that, that was, that was what we were, your body was like, that's why your body was so resilient for all that stupid shit you did in your twenties. I have never thought of it in those terms. It's so true. <laughs> I had my kids in my thirties and I died. Exactly. Oh, he's, like, he's like, yeah, pulling an all nighter. What's he doing? That I was, was at, for children. The, the reason your body could do that was for kids. The fringe <laughs> drinking forever. Oh man. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I mean, like no regrets. Like I'm, he's oh, like, no. I'm glad I used it for what I used it for. But he was like, that's really what you're like from an evolutionary perspective, that's what you're supposed to use it for is like, you have the energy of a child so you can easily take care of one. 
You know, it's free will. <laughs> we got to do some other stuff. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> uh, question number four comes from internet personality Tyler Lemko. Um, he said, given hard evidence that there is a God, would you have sex with that God? <laughs> I mean, given hard... I mean, okay, well, first off, there's a lot of questions. I mean, does God want to have sex with me? I mean... You can. God, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. You, there, the, the assumption is it would be consensual. Because that's important to me. And now, <laughs> would I... I also had the question, though, I was like, but, like, how into it? Like, I'm like, just because it's consensual, or is mm -hmm. he like... Or, or then I say he, like, they. Or has God chosen you? I don't know. This is, this is stuff you have to... I think you have to think about. And I think it plays out however you want it to play out in your mind. You know, if it's better, if it's better, if God wants it, God mm -hmm. wants it. Okay. So I just need to put out there. I don't know if my in-laws are going to listen to this. <laughs> but they are wonderful Catholics <laughs> who will uh, find this question suitably offensive. Suffice it to say, given hard evidence of God, I will have whatever mutually flowering relationship with the divine that the divine wishes to have with me. I believe in respectful and mutual relationships. Um, so I think, so I think, yeah, no, but in also in a roundabout way though, you've also have established that you are comfortable in your own body. Right. So Ooh. I, I, I am comfortable in my own body. Right. Because like, if you were, if you were ashamed, you wouldn't want to engage like, like oh. you you know what I mean? You'd have you have to. I think there has to be a level of comfort to be willing to like sleep with the divine. But the divine already knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, <laughs> it. like, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're not. You, you wouldn't be hiding it from from them. I'm saying like, like the shame would be entirely on yourself. Yeah. Like you, you'd have nothing to hide from them. They know it. They've they, they've seen it all. <laughs> the whole idea of uh, <laughs> omnipotence and omnipresence, I suppose. <laughs> <sighs> oh. But yeah, so that's it. I think there's there's yeah. I think there's a confidence there to be I to never, be down. Yeah. And I I did I knew right away. I guess my drama teacher didn't lie to me. There you Maybe go. Maybe I am more confident at 41 than I was at 18. <laughs> In high school. You're like, listen, if God wants me, I'm there for them. That's wow. <laughs> and finally, Matt Goldberg. Hey. Uh, what would you like to ask our next guest? You know what? I I really want to know what is the most what is your not, I was going to say what is the most flattering? No. What is your favorite picture of yourself? Your favorite photo? It could be a painting. If you have a painting of yourself, tell me about your favorite painting of yourself, I guess. But I want to know about your favorite photo that you're in. What is the story of that photo? What why do you like it so much? What does it show about you? That that's so usually we the, the hosts take a crack at, at answering the question. Uh, yeah. that question is is insane. Um, <laughs> is no, 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 not 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 in general, but okay. because like so like there's like a game that people play when they come over to uh Sarah and my house, which is is to just count the amount of like photographs or artistic interpretations of us. Ooh. Because there's a lot of them, like 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 there there's a narcissistic number of <laughs> like, like it's 
a couple of artists have gifted us depictions of ourselves and there's like a couple like and it's like in the f- photographs like there's there's no like this is us on vacation like it's all like p- professional photographers who have like gifted us like a photo or like we have like we have there's two different paintings of us well one is an ink not paint but there's one oil painting of us uh uh re- doing like reposed as american gothic and then there's another one of us posed as american gothic but also as like demon lords <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not even no, <laughs> that makes- it's like like it's like a, a pitchfork, but like my head is like on fire, and like and Sarah has like like wingtip things coming out of her eyes or whatever. So like, so you actually have art- artistic impressions of you that are responding to each other. Kinda, yeah. Like, it's, it's wild. Uh, that that said, though, the, my my favorite, I think, and, it, and it's a photograph and an art piece. Um, one of my favorite artists of all time, Jim Mafood, is a comic book artist. Uh, used to do these collages where uh, he he would like, it'd be like a black and white photo in the middle of the page. And then he would like art out of them, like in, in like this comic book style. And it was one of the first, it was, it was a a piece that I commissioned. Sarah and I hadn't even been together that long. Uh, but like it felt somehow appropriate to take a photo of us like our faces aren't in it but like you can see it's it's me like sitting in a chair with a video game controller and like Sarah kind of like coming over like from the corner behind but like neither of our faces are in it and it's in the middle of this thing which then like all this crazy art's coming out of and and there's like a a bunch of reasons why that is my favorite photo of us uh a because it's my favorite artist and everything but b there was like a weird level of like it it not to say like we i think sarah and i had already been together like a couple of years but there was just something like so permanent about the fact that i was like well obviously it would just be a photo of us you, you know what i mean like it was like like somehow of the choice that the art like like that's a pretty big gamble i was like because that's i mean knock on wood like <laughs> if my relationship ever goes south like that's going to be like a huge <laughs> huge stab in the back like i mean we're at like 14 years i think we're okay (laughs) but no but i'm just saying but like there was like it was the the fact that like the idea of like okay we're gonna do this like collaboration thing working with like my favorite artist or whatever else and it was just like not a question that sarah was gonna be in it like knowing that like i was like really we got married then that's so like (laughs) I was like, there was like a life commitment that happened into this piece of art that like was like weird. Like I only thought about it, like literally only thought about it. I think when, when I got the piece and was like, oh, this is now like, this is a thing that's going to be in my life forever. It's my favorite artist. And it was just like, without a doubt that it was Sarah, Sarah had to be in the photo with me was like (laughs) somehow. Beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. So that, that's probably, I think my favorite thing of us that exists or i'm in it and sarah's in it as well but yeah as as in terms of like a single photograph that's uh that's my answer that is that is so much i'm looking at this photo of me that my kids love that i was gonna joke answer (laughs) it's me in some crappy movie of the week dressed up as a cop with a really shitty mustache I just love it because I'm so serious and it's so shitty. Your answer is amazing. <laughs> Your answer it's is not a competition, man. 
isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> oh man, we look at some photos of me and my wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but there's a whole thing. Your kids love it, all that stuff. Because like, that's the thing. No, is like, it, it's no. not like the photo is not always the the thing, right? Like there's like yeah. all of the emotions and thoughts or whatever that yeah. like, surround it. Like so. I love this question. I, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what other people. Would you know who the guest is going to be asked this question? I don't know who the guest is going to be yet. It, uh, it, it's the episode before WrestleMania, so it might be a wrestler. <laughs> that would be amazing. But which, but which is not necessarily the worst because there's a lot of photographs of them, right? Yeah, there's... Oh, that's what I mean. That's amazing. I yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. So actually, a quiet, candid shot. <laughs> Nothing to do with wrestling at all. <laughs> their 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 college, like their high school graduation photo or whatever. You're like weird. Love it, uh, Matt. This has been a lot of fun. Um, like I said, obviously the this show comes out. Uh, this episode comes out on Thursday. You're you're back back tomorrow night in podcast world uh, at the Centaur, but like you're also back. Yeah, we got we were we've got monthly shows. We're pretty much monthly until the summer, and then we're in. We, we got to see where we're at. We're gonna we're gonna find some more events coming up, and then have announce our fall season as soon as we can. So I guess like confabulation.ca or on Twitter, on Facebook, on confab stories and on all the social media platforms, except Twitter. And I guess TikTok as we've revealed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I hate, I hate, I hate. The you don't have to relitigate this. But it's got to be there. It's got to be there. That's the. <gasps> I turned off Facebook during the pandemic. And then when we had a show, I was like, well, I guess I'm back, folks. <laughs> I, I, I have, so like pro tip, I guess, for everybody listening, I, I started doing it before the pandemic and I got better at it, which is people are like, oh, like block and unfollow. I'm like, block and unfollow is, is a lot of work, but there's like a way to like star your close friends. Cause I was like, Hey, remember when Facebook was like you and your buddies? Yeah. that's So I've like starred about 20 or 30 people and my Facebook just consists of them now. And it's like, it's a much... It's, it's a much better like every now and then another person like pops in and i'm like oh that person but like yeah i've like i've i've yeah unfollowing and all that stuff is is one thing but like you can just star your real friends and facebook gets better will they still get my invites to confabulation shows because keith i need an audience i need an audience i i do still get your invites invites okay. it doesn't block invites i'm just saying but like the feed your feed i respect that yeah, yeah, my feed is just pictures of my dog, so you can have those anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's that's fine. I I like my Instagram is probably like eighty percent my dog. Like that's a, I'm just like ah, oh, I want to share this with the world, and they're just sort of like, don't you do like a podcast thing and like a pop culture thing? I'm like, oh, look at my dog. <laughs> work. I see the other guys who are so much better at it, like just oh, this news movie news dropped or whatever else like that. And I was like, dog. <laughs> like more dog. More dog. Uh Matt, I'm gonna let you go. We both have to eat. We're probably both yes. driving. Uh food. I really am. <laughs> Art has become life. There you go. I uh I look forward to coming out to a confabulation, hopefully really, really soon. That'd be great. We're doing um, um, this month, yeah, Centaur. But then next month we're back at Mainline, and then I think back at Centaur. Is this part of the recording? I don't even know. Yeah, anymore. once a month, Centaur it's Mainline. Probably, right? they're, they're happening. Do you have any themes? Yeah. Any themes you want to drop? Do, do we know? Yeah. So I guess this is we're announcing. April is Deja Vu. Oh, it's the theme, and May is our twelfth birthday. 
we're torn. Hey, you can help me decide. We're torn between Lucky Breaks and I'm opening up my notes. <laughs> Lucky Breaks or Growing Pains. Lucky Breaks or Growing Pains. I can't decide. I like them both. Uh, growing Pains I... Open a little more open, but lucky breaks. I, I just I've always liked that expression. I think lucky breaks is there's so many ways to go with it. Like what I like about a lucky break is like like growing pains. You're you're absolutely it's you're, it's not to not to pigeonhole your your future storytellers, but it's coming May, of age. One is May, one's June. One is growing. growing growing pains is definitely you're gonna just it's gonna be a lot of coming with coming of age. I feel. Whereas like l- lucky breaks, the pe- like there's they can be so big or so small. It's true. Like it's a true. lucky break can be like, and then I found five dollars. You know, like like if 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 that's appropriate. You know, if there's like if there's a good story, it can be such a like uh, a small victory could be a lucky break, or it could be like the thing that catapulted my career. Like I like the the range on a lucky break. Like that's yeah. that's me. I tend to like that theme too. Well, stay tuned. It's going to be one for May, one for June. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one or the other order. Uh, Matt, I'm going to stop recording, but you got to stick around for this. <laughs> Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, we really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, Please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes, and it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash 9to5cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way. It really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part. We're really not trying to make a profit on this. Um, and also, if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show, you can uh, contact us either on Facebook or on Twitter. There's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know. And if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out, maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and uh, plugs something. A uh, big thank you, as always, to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude, who provided our theme songs. And, of course, a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show. Uh, Walter J. Ling, who technically retired, but still sometimes hosts. Uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Korber, and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts, and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing Go Plug Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts. And have a beautiful day. Thank you. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.